Hey, Sandy. Hey, Nora. Welcome to episode four. Episode four. (laughs) (laughs) There's been a lot of stuff going on in the world that uh, requires um, us to do our first survey show, as in a show of many issues. Yeah. I think it's like it's time for a roundup. I've got a lot on my mind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's weighing heaviest on your mind today? A lot of things, but I've just seen today that there's been this movement in Ottawa with the Ottawa police who've been wearing these bracelets to show support for the murderer of Abdirahman Abdi. Right. And I'm just like, how many L's do these police need to catch on these issues before they realize... Oh, my God. The way that they're operating is just beyond reproach. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's so disgusting. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I have. Um, But I'm not sure. I'm not sure everybody that's listening has. So why don't you why don't you go through the issue of like what they're responding to? And then I can maybe talk about the phenomenon of plastic bracelets as swag. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, So. Oh, God. In the summer of uh, 2016, police officers in Ottawa murdered Abdir Alman Abdi with their bare hands. This was a beating that was caught on video of a man, uh, a black Somali man, where police beat him to death in front of community members. And it it was absolutely horrific. It sparked a nationwide response. There were protests in cities across the country organized by the Coalition uh, for Justice for Abdirahman Abdi, by Black Lives Matter, by all sorts of different groups. Um, There were actions from Halifax to Vancouver demanding justice. The police officer, Officer Montesson, it's been recommended that he be charged, which is which is new, uh, the, the SIU, the Special Investigations Unit, which is the police watchdog body in Ontario that uh, recommends to the Attorney General whether or not to file charges against police officers when someone is killed in an interaction. In almost 97% of cases, uh, the SIU recommends that the Attorney General not uh, press charges that recommends that the that the police officers were within their rights. For the first time in a long time, the SAU has recommended that charges be filed. And I think we can thank uh, the activists across the country who made this a big case for that. But so now I guess the police have responded, the police officers in Ottawa have responded by starting their own campaign of sorts to show support for this murderer, this person. I mean, it takes a lot to kill somebody with your bare hands. Well, um, let's let's be clear. He wasn't these... he wasn't wearing. He didn't have bare hands. That's a whole other uh, element in this case, too. Oh yeah, that's right. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. So, um, not only did this police officer uh, attack and kill this man with his hands, but he was wearing a special issue kind of glove that has a sort of brass knuckles built into it, uh, which I believe is a restricted weapon in Canada that 
you know, you and I can't purchase or wear, but I also am pretty sure police can't wear it either. And so this guy has fallen under uh, criticism because he was wearing those gloves while he beat uh, him to death. Um, and also, didn't he like skip a bail hearing as well? Yeah, that's right. There was um, there was a situation where you know there's there's a hearing for bail, or he is meant to appear in court, and he didn't appear, which is highly unusual. And um, you know, there there you know, in the case of a, a regular citizen, that may have resulted in some sort of consequence, but there was no consequence for him, which was also another element to to, the, to this situation. Um, that just goes to show the type of special treatment that police officers get when they are interacting with the law. But I mean, so, so, you know, all of that, like this is, this is a really fucked up case, right? Like this is, um, awful in its anti-blackness, awful in its anti-Muslimness, awful in the, in the, in the ways that Somali people are particularly, targeted awful in the way that this this was a man who's living with autism and in the way that uh folks uh, are perceived uh, when they are living with autism and <laughs> on top of all of that y- y- like <laughs> this the police officers have decided to respond to him being killed by someone's hands by starting a support campaign, I, uh, I think the bracelets say United We Stand or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're, and they're blue and black, right? Which, even though that's the cover, color of, of bruises that police can leave on a body, uh, in this case, it's a, a call out, I think, to police culture and blue and black and this kind of, this kind of thing. Um, yeah, I was at a rally uh, that was put on by the supporters and family of Abdi Rahman Abdi, and it was so tragic because at the end of the rally, they had, I think it was his aunt uh, speak, and she she barely could. Like it was so sad to witness the pain that has been leveled on this community through this injustice. It's hard to draw parallels to other professions doing something like this and so you know I'm thinking of of you know when was the last time that teachers banded together to support a teacher who like sexually assaulted a student by wearing bracelets saying that we support our our teacher or our our fellow teacher in this case or or a a nurse a nurse's union saying we're going to support this nurse who beat a patient to death because like what we have such little respect for the people that we are working with or we have such little respect for the black community or the Somali community or the Muslim community or the disabled community. Like this case is so layered. It's right in the center of all of the problems that uh, folks you're involved with through black lives matter uh, and, and, you know, indigenous activists and anti-police activists have been talking about for a long time that this is the problem within policing in Canada that these men obviously think that they can get away with this this kind of stuff. And when in the rarest of circumstances, it looks like they might not get away with it. A campaign is organized by them to 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 protect and to support the guy who murdered someone. It's so it's so 
backwards and totally fucked up. I, as you I can't even either. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and I just I'm just wondering like when are the the players that have the ability to to make some policy changes on this stuff? When are they going to do something about it to make this stuff stop? What is the threshold that needs to be passed before uh, the municipalities uh, that run these police departments or the province uh, or, and even like let's talk federal too because the RCMP has these problems as well are going to make some actual changes, listen to actual communities about this stuff. And, you know, I it's because it's indigenous communities and black communities that are mostly affected that this is happening. I can't imagine that, um, you know, a response to, to, to someone being murdered in this way uh, would happen in the same way if, if this person, if Abdurrahman Abdi was not a black Muslim Somali man, if his life... Um, was was worth something in in the eyes of the media uh but you, you know i just like what is it going to take what is the threshold that needs to be passed because we're already at a crisis point and i just you know we can't our communities can't you know take we can't take this anymore this is just it's just it's such a fucking slap in the face how dare they isn't this in the riding of yasser nakvi or right beside the riding of Yasser Nakvi? Oh, fuck. I don't know. I don't know. But it, 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 it I mean, it's in Ottawa and he's what? Ottawa Center. So, yeah. That w- it would, I imagine it would be close to. Like, this is, th- this has happened, you know, effectively in the backyard of the Attorney General of Ontario. Mm hmm. And, you know, you and I both, uh, we both kind of know Yasser. We, we worked with him when he, when, when we were both involved in the student movement. Mm-hmm. Like, how how do you think he sleeps at night? <laughs> well, I don't know, because, you know, before he was doing this position, he was in the, the Ministry of uh, Correctional Services. And to be honest, like he he could have done a lot more than he has done on all of these files. And he hasn't done anything in my eyes. I mean, I remember um, myself and another colleague from Black Lives Matter met with uh, a long time ago with someone from with the ministry of corrections where they said oh you know we're dealing with this stuff and we were like really you're dealing with and we were talking about at the time carding and uh what was happening with uh andrew loku who was another individual who was murdered by police in toronto they said uh oh yeah we've got this uh safer ontario act coming out or the safe ontario plan coming out soon and i was like you know, I remember when that was announced and that had nothing to do with police officers using excessive force against people. Stop, you know, trying to um, politrick your way out of these things. This is so reprehensible. Like they could have done something. They, they instead, in all of these years of agitation around um, how black people in particular are targeted by police, all they've done is pass a, a carding regulation that does nothing to change carding at all. And I'm just fucking fed up with it. And that's why police think that they can, um, you know, do these types of things, have these campaigns where they can show support for one another, murdering uh, other people in the streets. Because there's no consequence when they do something wrong. And I'm fucking over it. Well, <laughs> It's never under it. 
God damn it. There's so often relies on that line about how, you know, there's only a couple of bad apples within the police. And and certainly I think that this is a case of like the most rotten elements of the police system at play. But uh, what I'm totally confounded by is, okay, so we've got a liberal party that is all talk and no action to the complete detriment of of individuals hurt by police, individuals in uh, solitary confinement within our prisons, individuals within the custody of Canada Border Services Agency. I'm obviously jumping around jurisdictions here, but uh, okay, fine. So the liberals are, cannot be held, uh, cannot be trusted, and the liberals are a huge part of the problem. But where is like? What is it going to take for a single police officer who has a conscience to say this is abhorrent? Anybody that is wearing these bracelets uh, needs to be st- needs to be fired. Not that I think that the police are going to reform themselves, but oh my God, isn't there one police officer that works in the province of Ontario who could say, oh my, uh, oh my goodness, this like yes, this has crossed the line. Uh, we should not be cheerleading someone who has just been accused of murder in the course of being a police officer. Speaking of police officers, another thing on my mind. <laughs> well, actually, you know, I'll just I'll just jump in really quickly to say, like, on the other side of the spectrum of police officers behaving badly, I don't know if you heard, but a couple of weeks ago in Quebec, 200 motorists were stranded on a highway because two tractor trailers jackknifed. It comes out in the press today that the police officer who is responsible for that stretch of highway for that period of time was doing his hot side hustle, getting documents signed from a notary because he's also a real estate agent. What? What? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So you know, on one end you have violence and horror and tragedy committed by th- at the hands of a of an illegal glove wearing cop. At the other, you have complete recklessness that resulted in hundreds of people literally overnight on a highway, in their cars, in the middle of a snowstorm. It is unbelievable in my mind that that police operate with such impunity in this country. Yeah, and I really think that, um, you know, I've said this before. I, I don't know if I've said this on this program, but I've certainly been saying it everywhere that I can. I think that we really, really, really have to rethink safety and how we deal with safety um, in communities because I believe that many of the services that police officer police officers offer should be siphoned off to other civilian led or public servant led services. Uh, why why is it police providing that service that you were just talking about um, uh, on the roads uh, of of uh, Quebec? Why is it that it's police that are responding to to noise complaints, for example? Why can't that be? Bylaw officers. I don't. I don't understand why police do uh, parking tickets in Toronto. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I think we gotta rethink how we think about uh, safety and a number of different services that are at this point in time um, uh, the domain of the police and sometimes results in death, like Andrew Loku, uh, who's you know the police were responding to, from what I understand, a, a noise complaint. Marky Kamba responding to a noise complaint. Marky Kamba was another man who was murdered by police, shot at 19 times uh, in Toronto. In any case, I was about to talk about the most important thing ever with respect to police, or at least that's what the media makes it seem like, which is the fact that Pride Toronto has voted uh, their annual general meeting, made up of hundreds of attendees, 
voted to overwhelmingly, almost unanimously, um, to not permit police to march in in the the Toronto Pride Parade this year, which is great, <laughs> which is wonderful, <laughs> and some city councillors, some white straight cis city councillors are really, really hurt by this. Yeah. I, one, one small precision, they are not to be marching in the parade in uniform as cops. That's right. There, there is going to be nobody who's going to be at the, at the front of the parade checking everyone's professions, from what I understand. Right. If they volunteer with Big Brothers, they can march in that parade. If uh, they have friends who work for Air Canada, they could probably sneak uh, a little airplane around their waist. <laughs> uh. <laughs> right. Yeah. And but so so the these count these seated councillors are like, OK, so pride, we give you just shy of three hundred thousand dollars each year to fund your festival. We're pulling out because you don't understand inclusivity. What a joke. You know what struck me the most? um uh, offensive about that what it's that so so pride made this decision in january mm-hmm. and what mar- month is it now it is march three months later city councillors are springing into action we must <laughs> stop money going to pride because we will not stand for this black lives matter has been around agitating for changes to carding since 2014 Prior to us doing that, many different organizations in the city have been doing that for in excess of a decade. And do you know how many how many city council motions there's been about carting? Uh, should I guess? Yeah. I'm going to guess. I'm going to hope that there has at least been one. No. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> no. None. No city councilor has sprung into action that quickly to protect against black people being discriminated against or dying in this city. But police in a parade. But police in the parade is apparently the number one issue of the day. It's the thing that uh, city councillors need to, to, to pay the most attention to. And you know what? It's like, for me, it's like, oh my God, I don't understand why people don't get this. It's like... It's as though, imagine, Nora, imagine this. Okay. Imagine that you have a dinner party Mm -hmm. every year, a massive dinner party. Okay. And one of your friends who goes to this dinner party uh, every year, let's call him Brad. Brad. Brad, you discover that, I mean, you probably should have known this before, but you were, you you were, you've always thought that Brad was kind of weird, but you know, he, you liked him. And Brad, you've discovered, is like a raging racist. He hates black people. And then you've discovered that, oh, my God, Brad has actually killed some black people, too, and gotten away with it. (laughs) Some of your homies who help you put this dinner together every year are like, Nora, we cannot come to this dinner anymore if Brad is going to be there. We won't be there. We will not help you make the dinner. And you, what do you do? Do you continue to invite murderer brad to your dinner party nora at the expense of everyone else who makes your dinner party cool who actually contributes to your dinner party yeah what does brad bring does he bring a sweet dish brad doesn't bring shit 
He just makes a bunch of noise at the table, like, that's what Brad does. You're describing uh, Easter, actually, in Quebec City at my house. Um, (laughs) And I'm, I... I have no doubt in my mind that I would not invite Brad. Right. And so I think that the hundreds of people at Pride who voted on this issue that, you know, like quite frankly, has been an issue at in Pride Toronto for years and years. It's just that it was brought forward quite publicly in this way by Black Lives Matter um, Toronto. The hundreds of people who voted in favor of uh, the police not being in the parade, I think that they're making good decisions about the parade and probably their dinner parties and their other lives. Um, and I, I think it's like really outrageous that people would want to force people to, to essentially endorse an organization that we have all admitted in some way, even the city council, Uh, has admitted is an anti-black racist organization in the way that it is functioning well and and also that they uh uh, target queer men too (laughs) like yeah this is where i don't understand trans folk (laughs) like i just i don't i don't get it it's just like for christ's sake you know what would make this issue go away a little bit faster is if the counselors did their jobs and actually did something about these institutions being racist that's really hard though <laughs> i i think it's it, it might be helpful it might be helpful for folks who who don't follow city council in toronto that closely though to put this into perspective right so so city so pride brings in i don't know how many people a million let's say there's a million people that watch the parade it's it's completely massive and there's a week of events and it's a huge moneymaker for the city and it's a huge moneymaker for businesses uh, in a lot of different areas in the city and especially uh, businesses along Church Street. So so the city donates a couple hundred thousand dollars and the, the Pride uh, AGM, which is a democratic body of people who are members of Pride Toronto, make a decision. And these these folks think that they can throw their money around like like what? like a like a an angry father who disagrees with who like the decisions that their kids making it's so it's so outrageous and it 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 makes me think of the last kind of incursion on free expression that city council did around pride which was of course around the queers against israeli apartheid that's right uh who uh march specifically to raise issues around pink washing uh, in Israel. So Israel often puts itself forward as being the best place in the world or in the Middle East for queer uh, visitors and inhabitants. And so Quaya, Queers Against Israeli Apartheid, uh, marched to, uh, you know, poke holes into that argument. And and the city made that an issue, too. There was actually, like, you know, votes and discussion and debates about whether or not they should be allowed to march in the parade. What the fuck business is it of the city of Toronto about about who marches Zero. in pride? <laughs> it's none of their business. And you know what? Like, I, you know, I haven't been impressed with the way that pride has uh, dealt with this entire situation and I'm really hoping, like, basically what the what the these counselors, these particular counselors who are putting this forward, what they're saying is that they think that Pride's principles can be bought, right? They're trying to bribe Pride into endorsing a seriously problematic institution in this city. And I really hope right. that their principles aren't for sale, that Pride Toronto's principles are not for sale. Well, we, we shall see. 
We <laughs> shall yeah, see. We shall see. What strikes me in this conversation is how obvious um, it is that folks would want police out of the pride parade when we start the conversation with the officer who killed Abdirahman Abdi. Because then there's like a direct line between in individual uh, violence, uh, and you can make that connection with the systemic violence of the police and, uh, you know, a community organization or parade like like the Toronto Pride Parade or the Toronto Pride Festival. And it seems to me like one of the parts missing in this conversation from a lot of people who are, are supporting the police is a complete lack of appreciation or understanding or an intentional obscuring of the role police have played in general in this country. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, it's helpful for people to understand what the history of the police is and where that institution came from um, in order to understand how some of the things that they do today, where they came from and, and how that's evolved. So the police as an institution are a French invention um, where, you know, they they came about to protect the property of the wealthy. That was what their um, their original stated purpose was. And as, you know, colonization happened and uh, police were uh, became institutions in North America, those institutions were still to protect the property of the wealthy. And that property included enslaved people. And so really the police were institutions of slave catchers all over North America. And you can draw a line from a history of slave catchers asking for the manumission papers of enslaved or formerly enslaved people to today where people are asked for, where people are being carted or stopped and frisked and asked for um, their identification when they live in particular areas and most certainly when they have black skin. Yeah, the class is classic, what business do you have here right now? What business do you have to be in the street here right now? Yeah, and that's, that is a long, unbroken history of targeting particular people. And it, this is an anti-Black practice that has existed um, since there has been property that were Black people in this country. And in addition to that, there's a history, a particular history in Canada around uh, the RCMP. Yeah, the, like the RCMP was started off as uh, as the Northwest Mounted Police, and they effectively were the the Canadian colonial forces who were tasked with clearing the plains. They were tasked with protecting settler populations. They were tasked with protecting the railroad, and uh, and you know the project of the railroad uh, partly was fueled by the need to get uh, troops out to settle down the rebellions in uh, in Western Canada. And, and the Northwest Mounted Police is the RCMP. That is the foundations of the police in Canada. And of course, a lot of communities are still policed by the RCMP. I remember living in Toronto, not really appreciating the fact that the RCMP were actually a police force in cities because you're kind of removed from them. But, um, but yeah, of course, they are the police force. Mm -hmm. And it would be one thing if this history happened and there was like a break and uh, a proper reckoning with that history and a stated new way forward. But that has absolutely never happened. And it struck me when you were describing the connections and similarities between slave catchers and carding and, and how that so 
uh, perfectly explains why experiences in Canada and the United States around around carting or stop and frisk are so similar because the countries grew in the same way yeah. with the same kind of, of security tactics and forces, especially with the supremacy of private property behind them. And in fact, they had to uh, they had to cooperate in a lot of cases um, when when the the 49th parallel hardened as, as a line had to cooperate because people were uh, trying to escape the jurisdiction that they were in. Much of the, the, the thing that uh, Canada knows about uh, slavery is the Underground Railroad and how it ended in Canada or whatever bullshit they want to believe. But there was a, an, another movement of, of black formerly enslaved people moving from Canada from, you know, above the 49th parallel to below to escape um, jurisdiction. And so there were these um, advertisements that would be published in papers of people looking for their property. And people in Canada would publish uh, these advertisements in Canada and the United States. And similarly, people in the United States would publish these advertisements in the U.S. and Canada because and they had to they had to collaborate with uh, these forces on either side of the, the border to try to to recoup this property. Right. People black people but when you when you help to break down that the history i'm gonna i'm gonna play the role of the ignorant white person that's like the police are there to protect me you know if you hear that history and you hear that present and you hear how bad it is i challenge anybody white people who think that this is somehow an attack on the free speech of cops, the Pride Toronto decision, to justify it. Because because you can't. You can't justify it unless you're being either overtly or covertly racist. It's, it is simply not possible. There's been this, this kind of revamping or spin around what police are over the last 100, 200 years um, in order to... to, to, to convince the rest of the population that they are still necessary right there's now this idea that instead of you know capturing your property it's to serve and protect right to serve and protect whom if a young woman is calling the police and saying you know i think that my life is in danger i think that my partner might kill me and the police can't do anything for you or refuse to do anything for you. That also comes from a history where that was never their purpose. Mm-hmm. They're not well equipped to do those things because they never were. And it's hard to just evolve a- an organization uh, from what it what its original purpose was, which we've laid out very clearly here for you, um, to, to becoming something that is going to um, to keep women in that particular circumstance safe yeah you're you're referring to the story of an 18 year old girl who at work was sure that if she returned home she would be killed by her ex and um that's right and sure enough she she was a couple of hours after having said that to her friend now the uh quebec version of the siu uh the internal bureau is investigating because there was a a, a police officer who had gone with her but that let her go into the house alone and so was unable to stop this woman from being killed. Um, so there's a lot of questions that are still wondering what happened. It's in a community that's just outside Jesus. of Montreal. Yeah. 
Um, but you're totally right. And, and, and I'm going to, I'll bring it to some uh, even weirder place. You know, we say that it's, they're about protecting property, which is absolutely true, but even that has a limit because it's not the second that, that the state needs access to property or the second that you try to assert your property rights in a, in a situation with a police officer, but they are going to get in your house or they are going to do something regardless of whose property you're on, they're going to do it. I, I have been placed under arrest in my on the stairs of my own house during a protest in Quebec. And the only reason why I managed to escape being arrested was because I didn't speak French and the students around me literally pulled me out of the hands of the police officer trying to arrest me. Oh, my God. And in this moment where I'm yelling, this is my house, this is my property, I am like, I am so shocked by that moment where... Not only is it completely fucked up that that is their principal role is to protect private property, but here I am invoking my private property to try and save my ass from getting uh, arrested, which, of course, uh, racialized people, indigenous people all the time do not get to invoke their right to private property uh, or protection in private property uh, in a a circumstance of, of crisis. 